Hey there, neighbor. Welcome to Good Life News, where we talk about ideas, living the abundant Christian life, and God's wonderful love. I'm your host, Pastor Lauren Fenton, an old farm kid, Bible student, preacher of grace, husband of one, father of two, papa for five, and really just another pilgrim headed for home. Let's walk together for a few minutes. Well, greetings once again, friends. I'm Lauren Fenton, and this is episode 43 of the Good Life News podcast and blog. The focus of this month's episode is the spiritual fruit of self-control, the last of the nine fruits of the Spirit. As I've said in several of the most recent posts, the nine fruits are naturally divided into three groups of three each. Love, joy, and peace form the fruit of a spiritual heart. Patience, kindness, and goodness are the fruit of spiritual relationships. Faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control are the fruit of a godly character. So today, let's spend a few minutes thinking about number nine, self-control. I'm going to start off by quoting the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians 10:31, where he says, Whether you eat or drink, or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Of course, as I've said before, I pray that you will experience all the fruits of the Spirit in your life today and know the power they provide to live in positive witness for Jesus in every relationship of your life. Now I want to talk about temperance, which is an old-fashioned word for self-control. And the following thoughts are taken from my book, Seven Essential Daily Prayers, from pages 113 to 116 in the chapter Strength for My Body. My book, Seven Essential Daily Prayers, is available in both Kindle and paperback editions from Amazon if you would like to look them up there. So here we go. Sometime along in my teen years, our church youth leaders handed out a temperance pledge and encouraged all of us to sign it so we could then carry it with us as a ready reminder of our commitment to sobriety and healthful living. Along with all the other young people, I gladly and willingly signed the pledge. I had a little card in my wallet for many years until somewhere along the way it disappeared, but I didn't need it in my pocket. The message was written deep in my heart. Part of my family heritage is anything but pretty. In the very early 20th century, my father's family moved from Missouri and Kansas to northern Idaho for work in the silver lead ore mines there. Orofino was a rough town filled with hard scrabble miners and loggers, and in those days, alcohol flowed like water in the saloons and bars. After only a few short years, my biological grandfather, Arthur C. Fenton, became a severe alcoholic. One tragic day in 1907, he ran away from his family and didn't return. It was decades before his family saw him again. My dad was 11 years old at the time. That one act created chaos in the Fenton family for generations. Its echoes still rumble through our family system relationships more than a century later. My father and his three sisters, mere children at the time, were each farmed out to foster families. Grandma did the best she could, but simply could not support them alone. The girls became very bitter and resentful toward their father, and my father struggled with abandonment issues for years. 
But because of alcohol's evil effects on his family and himself, he refused to drink it in any form ever. He cursed it until the day he died. I was never tempted to drink. I knew the generational history, and I knew it wasn't good, and I wanted no part of it. Another sad spin-off of that abandonment, however, was that my father started smoking almost immediately afterwards. From age 11 until he died at age 75, King Nicotine owned his lungs. Throughout my childhood and growing up years, nearly every night a nasty smoker's cough racked my dad's body until he could clear the mucus and the phlegm. Emphysema eventually took his life, and I saw firsthand the bitter fruit of smoking up front and personal, and no way did I want that for myself, so signing the temperance pledge was a no-brainer for me. I had neither need nor desire to travel those roads of destruction. Traditionally, temperance was defined as, quoting, total abstinence from that which is harmful and moderation in that which is good, end quote. But I recently made what I consider to be a thrilling discovery, at least for me. The biblical Greek word enkratia, spelled in English E-G-K-R-A-T-E-I-A, pronounced enkratia, is rendered as moderation in most English translations and carries a rather milk-toast implication of balance or just a little bit is okay. You might remember the story of Caspar Milk Toast from last month's episode. However, enkratia carries much more force than that. What it really means is true mastery from within. Genuine enkratia embodies concepts of self-control, self-discipline, self-mastery, and self-restraint. It could be defined as true personal righteousness. The trouble with this, however, is that reaching this state of personal mastery is completely impossible, even in the strength of our most resolute determinations or efforts. If enkratia equates to personal righteousness, which it does, the Bible is also clear. We don't have it and cannot get it on our own. Isaiah 64, 6 says, All our righteous acts are like filthy rags, end quote. In other words, even the good things we attempt are all tainted with the poison of self-centeredness and sin. Enkratia is a spiritual fruit of God's Spirit dwelling in our heart. Praying for strength for our body, then, is to pray for the Holy Spirit's gift of true mastery from within, enabling us to choose and live a healthy life of energy and vitality for the glory of God. Here's a quotation from The Desire of Ages, one of my all-time favorite books on the life of Christ, quoting here, The highest evidence of nobility in a Christian is self-control. He who under abuse or cruelty fails to maintain a calm and trustful spirit robs God of his right to reveal in him his own perfection of character. Lowliness of heart is the strength that gives victory to the followers of Christ. It is the token of their connection with the courts above. End quote from Desire of Ages, page 301. Well, let's work with that thought for a bit. In an earlier episode of the podcast and blog, I shared a quotation, allegedly from C.S. Lewis, that read, Pride is the mother hen under which all other sins are hatched, end quote. 
I was somewhat suspicious that this wasn't an actual C.S. Lewis statement, so I posted a question about it on a Facebook page, specifically authenticating or debunking supposed Lewis quotations. Here's one of the responses or comments from a reader named Christina Cannon, quoting Christina. I think it may be a paraphrase of this quotation from Book 3, Chapter 8 of Mere Christianity. And quoting now, Mere Christianity, where C.S. Lewis says, According to Christian teachers, the essential vice, the utmost evil, is pride. Unchastity, anger, greed, drunkenness, and all that are mere flea bites in comparison. It was through pride that the devil became the devil. Pride leads to every other vice. It is the complete anti-God state of mind, end quote. Wow, if I may be so bold, let me add my own paraphrase to Lewis's statement as it relates to the Holy Spirit fruit of self-control and to the quotation from Desire of Ages I just shared a moment ago. So here it is. Self-centeredness is the heart of all sins. It is the very essence of Babylonianism, producing self-glorifying pride and all its ugly offspring. Even self-willed, self-control, that is, personal willpower, often disguises its real motive of I-did-it-my-way productivity. Babylonian pride is the adulterated, polluted fountainhead of rebellion against God and everything that's good. Here is an inconvenient, unavoidable truth. Listen carefully now. We are all naturally born into Babylonian self-centeredness. We come from the womb, looking for love, and sadly, in all the wrong places. If only we can stop long enough to take a good long look at ourselves, it becomes painfully obvious that we are all congenital self-worshippers bent on getting and holding everyone else's attention and approval. Glenn Campbell's iconic song says it all. I'm going to be where the lights are shining on me like a rhinestone cowboy riding out on a horse in a star-spangled rodeo. The Apostle Paul knew this painful reality all too well. In Romans 7, he bears his frustration in trying to do the right thing but utterly failing no matter how intense his efforts. Finally, he cries out in desperation, Oh, what a miserable person I am! Who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death? Verse 24. Paul then answers his own cry for help, and he says, Thank God, the answer is in Jesus Christ our Lord. End quote. Verse 25. And to which I add a hearty, robust Amen. So here it is, Jesus Christ, our great high priest in heaven, requests the Father to send the Holy Spirit to take up residence in our hearts. Subsequently, the Spirit manifests and displays all the fruits of godliness we've considered over the last nine months. These fruits touch other people through every word and action of our lives, every relationship, and every communication. All nine of the fruits of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control, that is temperance, 
are given for one overriding purpose. Here it is, to empower us for faithful and effective service as ambassadors for heaven. All nine are direct antidotes for the overwhelming problems in this world. Hate, sadness, anxiety, anger, meanness, evil, betrayals, violence, and toxic indulgences. For each of these negative realities, God has an answer in the Holy Spirit's presence. He sends us, as we are willing, to be carriers of these gifts, delivering the healing so desperately needed in the lives of people everywhere. Well, thank you so much for listening today. I pray you have been blessed, and I hope you can join me for next month's episode when I'll be sharing some thoughts on righteousness. Watch for it on October 31. Wow, that's Halloween. So mark your calendar. Be sure to tune in and invite someone else to listen with you. If you enjoy these podcasts and blogs, please do share the links with your friends, your family, and whomever. And of course, my many thanks in advance. So we've come to the end of this episode of the Good Life News Podcast. If you would like to comment or join a conversation about today's content, please visit our website, www.goodlifenews.life. I'd love to hear your thoughts and observations. On the website's blog page, you can also find a complete transcript of the most recent episode, which will always be posted at the top of the page. If you enjoyed this podcast, you can subscribe on Anchor, Spotify, Google Podcast, and other podcast platforms. If you would like to help out in this ministry, it is incredibly helpful if you would leave a nice rating or review on your platform of choice. Well, thanks for listening, and be sure to tune in again next time as we continue our journey exploring more about God's love, His amazing grace, and the incredible good news of the everlasting gospel. Until then, walk in peace, live in hope, and hold your treasures with open hands.